0: Welcome, everyone. Greg Masters here, your host for ACO Watch, a midweek review. And this is sort of a special broadcast today. We are holding online for a CMS conference call. It's specific to um, an announcement today uh, or an update by Doctors Berwick and Gilfillan. 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 Got to get that right. And um for those of you who would like to listen direct to you and are live on this call, it's 800 837 1935 And the conference code is 686-58167. Looking forward to learning what they have to say today. There was earlier today, there was a press release by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services specifically from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation. And they have announced a couple things. One is uh, an update to the, I guess it's an update as a result of the comments that they've been receiving from the field, if you will, and they've issued a press release, let's see if I can pull that up here, I've got so many windows open at the moment. Dateline for immediate news release Tuesday, May 17, 2011, from the CMS Office of Public Affairs. Number is 202 690 6145, and it is titled Affordable Care Act. All right, all sorts of things happening here. The Affordable Care Act gives providers new options to better coordinate health care. New accountable care organization models will improve patient care, could save Medicare up to $430 million. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services today announced three Affordable Care Act initiatives designed to help doctors, hospitals, and other health care providers improve health care for Americans, with Medicare by becoming accountable care organizations. First, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation will support a new ACO model, that's interesting, that will be available to providers this summer, the Pioneer ACO model, which is designed for advanced organizations ready to participate in shared servings. It is projected to save Medicare up to $430 million over three years by by better coordinating patient care. Second, the Innovation Center is seeking comment on the idea of an advanced payment ACO model that would provide additional upfront funding to providers to support the formation of a new ACO. And third, provider groups interested in learning more about how to coordinate patient care through ACOs can attend free New accelerated learning sessions, accelerated development learning sessions. These initiatives are part of a broader effort by the Obama administration made possible by the Act. Okay, so we're waiting for the call, and I will shift to that call. Here we go. John,
1: and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Medicare and Medicaid Services Conference. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. This marks question answers. Would like to ask a question during this time? Press star, then number one on your telephone. Would like to withdraw the question? Press the pound key. Thank you. Mandy Cohen, you may begin the conference call. Great. Thank
2: you, and thank you to everyone who's joined the conference call today.
3: This is Mandy Cohen from the Innovation CMS, and I'm joined by my my colleagues. Uh, an announcement about Initiatives, innovation center around accountable care organizations. I just want before I turn the program over to Dr. Berwick. I just wanted to remind folks that this call is for stakeholders only and is closed to press. And we will be taking questions at the end of end of the call. Um, if you do have any additional questions, uh, you can visit the innovation center website at www.innovations.cms.gov. And now I'll turn the program over to Dr. Berwick, the CMS administrator.
4: Thanks a lot, Mandy, and thank you all for joining us on this call. I'm excited about the announcements that are being made today, I want to share some of the background, and then uh, we'll be joined by my colleagues from uh, Medicare and the Innovation Center. Um, we're here this morning to, uh, this afternoon, to discuss some uh, new options for uh, that will apply to a range of providers across the healthcare spectrum uh, who are considering becoming a part of the... Innovative of ideas in the Affordable Care Act, in my opinion, helping us to uh, move toward a health care delivery system that is high quality, meeting the needs of patients and families, and sustainable uh, over the long haul. Uh, we know that the better path, the right path towards sustainability, that can't be, it shouldn't be through cutting care or slimming down coverage or withholding services or people. It has to be through changing care, through improving care, to make it both sustainable and high quality. We can have that. We can have better care, better health, and lower cost if we put patients at the center of the healthcare delivery system and change that delivery system to better perform to meet those patients' needs. The Accountable Care Organization, the ACO, is one really important route to that vision. The idea behind the Accountable Care Organization, the ACO, to encourage and support physicians hospitals and other providers of care to reduce costs by providing better quality care and then to reward those providers for success in doing that by allowing them share in the savings that would result. this would do better, more coordinated care for patients that deliver savings to those patients and families. Uh, this is about rewarding the quality of care that's not just the quantity of so ACOs aren't just a new way to pay for healthcare, they're a new and better way to deliver. Months ago, uh, CMS published its initial proposed rule on how to implement the ACO program, and we're now in the midst of the public comment period, which closes on June 6th, which allows us to listen very closely to input from all sorts of stakeholders so that we can modify and improve the proposed rule into an even better final rule. That's a very challenging job because the ground rules for ACOs have to strike several important balances. Uh, For example, they have to give providers incentives to achieve savings and tools through improvement of care uh, to help them coordinate and improve care. But we also need to make sure that providers' care don't stint on care. They don't withhold care when it's needed. Uh, We need to make sure that patients get much better coordinated care, uh, but we don't need to burden providers with rafts of regulations uh, in the effort to encourage them to do it. It needs to enable close relationships between primary care providers and specialists, but we also, under the law, need to uh, make sure that patients and ACOs retain the right of choice. They have the right to see any Medicare provider they want. Uh, ACOs need data, but patients also need uh, guarantees of the, that their privacy will be protected. Uh, these are all important balances to strike, and it's important they get, we get those balances right, uh, since accountable care organizations are a critical uh, model in the reform of the healthcare delivery system. Uh, because they're so critical, the proposed rule uh, has uh, understandably been the center of attention. It's attracted lots and lots of comments since the release of the proposed rule, and that's good news. We are in this period of listening and dialogue Providers of care who are already ahead of the pack, are already able to offer coordinated care. They have the infrastructures, information systems, and and models that they're familiar with already, so they're ready to start now, even before the new regulations go into effect. The Pioneer's ACO program will allow provider groups to move very rapidly from a shared savings payment model to a population-based payment model on on a track that's consistent with, it's synergistic with, although it's separate from the Medicare Shared Savings Program reflected in that proposed rule. The Pioneer ACO program is designed to work in coordination with private payers uh, by aligning in private payers uh, for the providers, and that will help the providers improve quality and health outcomes for patients right across uh, their practices. So that's the first announcement, the Pioneer ACO program. The second announcement is a request. It's a request for comments on a proposal from the Innovation Center and CMS. Uh, to provide upfront payments, uh, advanced payments, to providers who want to form ACOs but who don't have the capital to create one. They can't afford the Start the information systems or the care coordination services that will make up the, the improvements, the uh, care that the ACOs can rely on. Uh, some of the early comments we've been receiving on the proposed rule do suggest that some providers lack ready access to the capital that they need to invest in these infrastructures and and coordinating staff and so on. And providers who lack access to the capital could make those investments by accessing shared savings early under this proposal for advanced payment on which we're now going to spend. The third announcement today is for all providers that are interested in forming an ACO. The CMS Innovation Center is to offer a series of four ACO learning sessions, Supports to help providers who want to learn how to build ACOs. Uh, p- participating in these learning sessions isn't going to be a factor at all in the selection or qualification or participation of any CMS, uh, any, any provider in the CMS-ACO program, but I, but these uh, supports are going to be very useful in giving providers access to knowledge and expertise that they need uh, to ACOs. So those are our three announcements the your program, uh, an advanced uh, request for comment on an advanced payment model uh and uh and and a learning and assistance program under the uh under the innovation center you In know all of this we've been really impressed by the level of engagement on this topic we're hearing lots of feedback lots of dialogue people seem to do to be sensing that we are at the threshold of important and a very very productive tra- change and coming up with a prop, uh, workable promising framework for ACOs that allow many to play based on this feedback is going to be well worth the effort with that as background to these uh rules, we're happy to take your questions. I'm joined here by John Blom, who heads Medicare, and uh, Rick O'Fillin, uh who is the head of the Innovation Center, and Peter Lee, the Deputy Innovation Center. Uh, and we're open for questions now.
3: Thanks, operator. We're open
1: for questions. At this time, I'd like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to call the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from a line of Lisa Grabert from American Hospital. Your line is open. Thank you, and thank you very much for holding um, this call today. I had a clarifying question for the pioneer ACOs. One of the requirements that is built in is for ACOs to have at least 50% of their total revenues derived from outcomes-based contracts by the end of the second performance year. Can you expand a little bit about what you mean by 50%. Would that 50% include their Medicare portion of business? And also, can you expound on the outcomes-based contracts? Exactly what you're targeting there?
4: Sure. I'll invite uh, uh, Rick and Peter to comment. Uh, just generally, with, as you say, what we would like is for the Pioneer ACOs to be regarding uh, the 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 uh, management of, of better coordinated care for patients right across their their patient panels, of Medicare patients, and others. That, that, so we're really encouraging synergy here between the commercial payment side of their work and the Medicare side. Rick and Peter, you want to comment? Well, I think that's
5: that's exactly right, Don. And we, we would include the Medicare portion of their um, of their business in that calculation. Yes. So um, we were thinking that they may have other contracts with other payers that might account for 25%, and then Medicare... Uh, their people service business and Medicare would account for uh, another 25% as an example. So it's really about encouraging folks to move uh, aggressively into this new world and many of these organizations already have a significant part of their business uh, operating under these contracts. And when we say outcomes based, we think that uh, whether it's a shared savings model or some other approach that um, aligns the efforts of the organization with producing better health, better care, reduced cost through improvement. Those kind of models will vary significantly in how, how they're structured in contracts. But the general notion that they are outcomes-based as opposed to based simply on volume is what we're after. And built into that would be an expectation that would be substantial quality incentives as part of the calculation of their reimbursement in other models.
1: If I could just ask one clarifying question, would you include participating in, say, for example, a hospital value-based purchasing program as an outcomes-based contract?
5: We probably have to understand it in a little bit more detail. One of our um, goals will be to understand uh, and engage, really, in a conversation uh, with the industry around what that definition should be and whether or not a particular contract seems to be sufficiently congruent with the overall outcome, the three-part aim outcome that we're after. I think that's what's central. We're after folks who are interested in pursuing those same uh, three-part aims of uh, better care, better health, and reduced costs through improvement.
3: Thank you, Lisa. Operator, next question.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Scott Pengree from Intermountain Health. Your line is open. Scott Pengree, your line is open. Your next question comes from the line of Stephen Bernstein from University of Michigan. Your line is open. Your next question comes from the line of Emily Brower from Harvard Vanguard. Your line is open. Hi, actually it's Morrissey Sindel from Harvard Vanguard. Um, the question relates to the quality measures that you're envisioning for this program. So one of the concerns about the 65 quality measures in the Shared Savings Program is that it's not clear what the threshold or comparison is going to be since many of the measures are not currently measured today by either the medication. Or Medicare Advantage groups, what are you thinking around the quality measures for the Pioneer ACO program and how they're different? And then the second part of the question is whether you can elaborate a bit on how this works with private payers.
4: How this works with private payers? Yeah. On the quality side, I'll just make a comment. This is Marcy. How are you? Um, the um, this is a, this is a very important balancing component of the of the both the the. Rule well, and the Pioneer Program, as we reward organizations for reducing costs, we have to work with them hard to watch quality to make sure the care is improving and that costs aren't being uh, reduced uh, by withholding needed care, so the quality metrics are crucial. As you said, in the proposed rule, we've, uh, we've uh, listed five proposed quality measures. We'll be taking feedback on these, learning how uh, people regard them, and coming up with the package of metrics that will be best to use in the final rule. Our commitment is to align the quality metric system of the Pioneer Group with the mainstream um, 3022 ACL uh, proposed rule. Rick, you may want to comment on that and also on um, the second part of question. I, I think that question. I think that covers the, the issue on the uh, quality
5: metrics. Um, I think on the uh, alignment with private payers, uh, our our goal will be to know that again if, if, if you're operating under a um, outcomes based program uh, then we are interested in um, in kind of aligning with you if you will to produce those those three party aim outcomes so the first question is is it clearly do you have other business uh, arrangements that support you pursuing the three party aim outcome uh, we whether we all um, we expect we'll end up using the quality metrics that um, end up being the basis for the Shared Savings Program, which, as you can tell from the metrics that are in there today, oftentimes, and in many cases, align with other initiatives that are out there. So that will uh, that will kind of evolve as we see the final rule. But our expectation is that we'll, we'll be well aligned, we think, on uh, the three dimensions of the uh, AAA.
1: Your next question comes from line of Vic's Saini from Florida Accountable. Your line is open.
2: question is, uh, there is a 50% mandatory EMR for new ACOs. In the state of Florida, only 19% physicians are on EMR, and currently EMRs are being given by hospitals that are wanting to acquire physician assist. Therefore, clearly missing the triple M, not just for Medicare, but for private payers as well. In this new pioneer program, will there be some allowances to build up to fifty percent EMR? Uh, uh, let second? me let
4: John Bloom comment on this, but but first, uh, that is a second year requirement, not at the entry point to the ACOS, uh, and this is something we're taking comment on. I mean, among the comments we'll be receiving will be about the, the uh, EHR. Look forward to hearing how people comment. Uh Peter Lee has a comment I'll make maybe yeah, because the relative to the in the pioneer a c o it is that by the end of two thousand and twelve so folks should have two years to be at that that fifty percent uh primary care meeting the ehr standard that that's
3: within the, the the pioneer program specifically Right. but on the but on the base program we are still taking comment on, right. on that provision We have heard a lot of concern regarding the fifty percent uh threshold um but we're still in the comment phase, and that's um will be addressed in the final rule. We'll
2: the, the the question is back to Jonathan. Jonathan, this is Sandeep Bajaj. How are you? This, how are you, Jonathan? The other question is, uh, uh for the independent pr- practitioners in Florida, which is eighty percent of Florida that are wanting to do ACOs, is this is CMI looking at methodology where they can, you know, have a sit down meeting and help them in pr- in promoting this this concept of, of uh CMS because at this point the acquisition of physician practices by hospitals at, is at full speed, and I don't think that, that their aim is to to uh, reduce uh, costs. Uh, actually, to acquire physician practices to make sure that that they have control.
3: Right. So part of part of today's um, announcement is is to also uh, talk about the assistance uh, that the Innovation Center is um, uh, proposing. Uh, to help organizations participate within the BASE program. I'll turn it
1: over to Red to talk about that assistance.
5: Yeah, I think we, we realized uh, that um, I think it's, it's the, if we think about the spectrum of um, the delivery system, where different types of uh, providers are in terms of their ability to both deliver seamless coordinated care today and their ability to kind of get into the ACO world in the future, we know that there are some folks that, on one end of the spectrum are already providing that kind of care and have all the all the capabilities and are ready to go. And on the other end of that spectrum are folks who are providing traditional um, office-based, perhaps primary care or uh, ho- office and hospital-based care. That's traditional people service without the wherewithal to um, enter into uh, this new world of ACO. So we understand that's the spectrum. And really what we're offering today is a suite of products that are, or, or opportunities that address people at different places in that spectrum. So for folks who are ready to go and provide services, the Pioneer model is there for them to uh, move rapidly and show what's possible, what what show the country what's possible in terms of delivering better outcomes for folks with people service Medicare. For folks who are not ready, we're offering the assistance program, or we're offering, uh, we're asking for comments on an on a assistance program, an advanced payment program, and that may include doctors, it could, provide, it could include other kinds of providers who don't have either the capabilities today and don't have the access to capital. So we want to know from you all what, what should that form of advanced payment look like? We're open to different suggestions about it. We're sensitive to some of the issues that you've raised, and uh, but we, we, we're addressing both ends of that spectrum today. That assistance would be for people who go into the shared savings program. And then finally, the third piece is the educational opportunity that we're offering, whereby we're going to try and bring the best ideas in the industry today from those folks who have been doing this who know how to do it, and make it available to all those folks who are interested in providing this type of care but don't have those capabilities today. So between the shared savings program and the programs we're announcing today, we think we have a nice suite of offerings that, that make up Medicare's overall approach and strategy for helping providers become ACOs. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Operator, next question. Your next question comes from the line of David Morales from Stewart Healthcare. Your line is open. Great, thank you. My question is in regards to the payment. Uh, let's assume that 25% of your volume is non-Medicare. How do you propose to to pay for
4: that side of the ledger, the non-Medicare bodies or volume. Uh, uh, this is Don, uh, David. Uh, the the uh, Pioneer program, like the ACO program and the main rule, involves payment for Medicare patients. We are looking for uh, organizations that can align the incentives and the, uh, the, the business plan they have for care with their private book of business as well, but that would be up to the contractual relationship they have with the commercial payers. Is that right, Rick? Yes, I, I think, and we also know
5: that there are fixed costs and then variable costs that an, an organization seeking to become an ACO will face. And so, we're interested in, in input on how people, how we ought to think about that, and how you all uh, are thinking about it um, in the uh, in the delivery system. So that's the purpose, really, of of um, asking for input. Uh, and uh, we would hope, and we know that there are many private uh, insurers out there today that are interested in helping. Um, Provider systems get up and going uh, and get, get build their ACO capabilities. So, we'd hope there often will be parallel activity coming from the private industry side. Great. Right. And, and, and this is the period
1: open for comment on that part of it? And I only ask because we, for example, have a significant by, by number of lives under contract non Medicare, but we would qualify for the
4: Pioneer program. So, aligning those two sides of our book of business would be uh, critical for us. Uh, you'd be very interested in your comments on that, and it will help guide us. Great.
1: Thank you. Operator, next question. Your next question comes from the line of Michael Fox from Dean Health Plan. Your line is open.
3: Thank you. Uh, yes. Um, you had indicated that part of the uh, one of the objectives of the Pioneer uh, ACO is to accelerate the movement from fee-for-service and shared savings to uh, population-based payments by the end of, I think it's the end of year three. Can you go into a little more detail about what the methodological approach would be for the population-based payments, These as being capitated-based uh, payments, or when you say population-based payments, do you mean bundled payments based on uh, sort of health conditions? If you could provide a little more clarity around what you mean by that. And then the second part of the question has to do with uh, some health plans also serve Medicare, and they also they obviously have uh, commercial members, but they also have a, a Medicaid line of business. And to the extent that all, you know, everyone is sort of going to be through this ACO model, and all the efficiencies that are created through the ACO also translate and filter down um, to to uh, people that are that are seeing Medicaid patients, the way they deal with Medicaid rates, it's all encounter based. So the more efficient we become in the delivery of services paid, uh, the more the rates get ratcheted down because that creates the new base. Uh, for for rates in, in the in the come, in the in the following year, so it'd be nice if could also align those two things where they're feeding the incentives for those plans and really have a broad spectrum continuum of the products that they offer to their members, um, from commercial to Medicaid to Medicare. So those things are all in alignment. You're not you're not um, uh, penalized for for being efficient uh, in you know being incentivized in one area for being efficient and then
5: penalized in another for being efficient. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, let me just address the Medicaid – this is Rick Gilfell and, uh Michael. The, um, the uh, Medicaid uh, side of this is very important to us. We're working closely with Cindy Mann, uh, who runs the Medicaid office, and with Melanie Bell, who runs the dual eligible office. And we're very interested in solutions that include uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and CHIP recipients or beneficiaries. So, and, and we're also getting uh, a, a number of inquiries from states who are interested in finding ways to align their approach with um, uh, the efforts coming out of uh, Medicare. So, I think it's a natural fit. And whether or not it's, it's a state with, that does uh, its Medicaid business through health plans, or whether it's a state that does has a fee-for-service approach, I think we're finding interest everywhere. And we would hope that health plans would be interested in um, aligning. Uh, their arrangement with providers, with the approach we're describing. Um, in terms of the population-based payments, we are uh, there's a model uh, in the um, RFA, the Request for Applications, which is the website, um, which describes our one approach. We've also um, asked folks to um, think about alternative approaches and give us suggestions. But basically, the model that is described there involves a um, reduction in fee for payments uh, to ACO providers and a um, per beneficiary payment of the um, population-based payment approach. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Dale.